This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winglings Under the Willow Tree. Previously on Winglings, Willem and his family escaped Emerald Creek in order to protect Will's new baby sister, the Queen, from the dark. Not long into their journey, Will's family was attacked at the Fragrant Falls by a group of bat-winged Lunas, who took Will's parents. Miraculously, Will and his little sister made it out alive, and as promised, Will continued on, searching for the temples of light in order to protect his sister and save the light she would someday provide for their whole clan. And now for episode three, Stranger in the Jelly Tree Forest. 
When I try really hard, I can think of two, maybe three times in my short fairy life that I've gone hunting for food. Usually it was Da who did all the hunting in the family. Occasionally Ma would step in when he was busy in the groves farming light. But only once he'd taken me out to show me how it was done. And to no one's surprise, that's all it took to prove what a huge failure I was. The other two times were when I'd gone out with Tim to try and catch us some lunch. And believe it or not, we actually caught something. Two beautiful black and blue butterflies. Only later did we find out they were actually my neighbor's prized pets. Some kind of rare purebreed that's easily trained. But that's beside the point. It was all I had to go off of now that I was hunting for survival. Poor little M was still strapped to my back, fussing and squirming. Normally she'd be cute as a squirrel, with her little smiling face popping out of my pack and giving me a giggle. But I could tell her spirits were waning. She was hungry. And I could remember several times Ma telling me how often little fairylings had to eat. They'll eat through half a garden a week, she'd say. Out here, however, we'd be lucky to find half a vegetable. Oh, shh, shh. I hushed her cries and set her down in the soft grass. Then I pulled out my blowpipe and looked out over the rolling hills. Tall yellow grass swayed in the breeze and swept the sides of large smooth boulders that dotted the landscape. Every minute or so the wind would whistle through the wide curved holes in the rock and sound like a distant horn. As I scanned the horizon I could hear a faint hum approaching. I focused harder on the steep hill to my left until I could make out a dark shadow flying towards me. It was my lucky day. A big, juicy fly. Really stupid creatures, flies. I don't say that to be rude. I mean, literally, they are dumber than the rocks in the prairie, which they'd probably try to eat if they could. Those gross buggers eat everything. The fly flew closer. Careful not to lose sight of it, I loaded a hard berry into my blowpipe and crept towards it. Just as I took my first steps, voices sounded from the ground beneath me. The friendly voices made me jump the second they spoke. You can do it, little guy, they encouraged. Believe in yourself, said another. The bottom of my feet tickled. What in the pixie high heavens? It was coming from the grass. Each blade was showering me with words of encouragement. Don't worry, your wings aren't too small, said the grass. Don't get the job done. Now go on and get em. I smiled. Well, what do you know? The praising prairies. I'd heard of the place, but never dreamt it could be real. Stories as old as dirt told of grassy hills that spoke words of praise and strength to fairy soldiers of old as they trekked to and from the battlefields. They must have been desperate to praise if they deemed my hunt worthy of their voice. But I will say, thanks to their cheesy but appreciated encouragement, I darted after the fly. With every ounce of air I had, I shot my hard berries as fast as I could, missing terribly. Close shot, shouted the grass. Almost got him, they cheered. And I wish I could tell you I got that bugger in the next shot, but that wasn't the case. In fact, it took a good couple of hours of chasing and shooting like a maniac before I finally got the best of him. And in the end, it was only because the poor bloke was tired of buzzing around for so long that he just plopped down in front of me to take a nap. The grass's praises had gradually turned to mumbled forced compliments like, At least you're getting exercise. Or, 
That shirt's not bad. I was pretty sure by the end of the whole thing I'd turned them into the pessimistic prairies. Either way, I'd gotten us food. After a little prep work, the fly was cooked on a pixie fire under the stars and split between me and my little sis. Honestly, it wasn't half bad once you got over the texture. They say it depends on what the fly ate last. Lucky for me, mine had a hint of sweetness, like a fuzzy sugar jerky. Em's cries turned to cute little satisfied coos until she was out like a new moon. I settled her in the back of the invisible teepee and laid out on my blanket. The transparent fabric of the teepee served as a window into the bright stars and galaxies beyond. A shooting star zipped away from a star cluster and made me think of my family. I was worried about my parents and hoped the Lunas weren't being too mean to them. I knew they were smart and savvy enough to hold their own, but there's no telling what the Dark will do to get answers about the new queen. I looked around at the old family tent and sighed. <sighs> Without Ma and Da, the teepee felt cold and empty. I prayed to Mother Moon that Tim would find them all right and bring them to safety. Hopefully they'd meet us at the temples. I'm going to get you there, I said to Em, stroking her sleeping face, even if it means we live off flies for the rest of our days. I looked up at Mother Moon. Mother Moon, protect her, I prayed. Shield her from any beasts that follow and from my own clumsiness. Oh, Moon, I haven't got a clue where to go next. Without damn lost. I don't even know if the temples exist. Please, please show us the way. The moon's craters and shadows faded into a pleasant face. Your sister will be protected, Will, said Mother Moon in her usual soft tone. You have been valiant in your efforts. Take strength in how far you've come. Your skills and ability will grow with time. Be patient. Between the two largest boulders and into the jelly tree forest you must go. There you will find a stranger who will show you the way. A stranger, I wondered. But before I could ask her more, her face disappeared back into the craters, and I was left alone to my thoughts. The next morning, as I packed our gear, I looked down at my blowpipe. What was merely a hand-carved toy weeks ago was now a weapon, and our survival might depend on it. I was lucky with the black bees. No doubt Mother Moon having her hand in my shooting, or a boost of pixie from my sis. But I knew that luck wouldn't last long if I expected to protect us all the way to the temples. After all was packed, we set out past the two giant boulders and into the jelly tree forest. Now you should know, as a fairy, there is very little in nature that impresses me. You could say I've about seen it all just tending for the beautiful grounds of the Daffodil Kingdom. But the day I arrived at the Jelly Tree Forest marks the first day that I truly came to appreciate nature's beauty. Forming the first wave of trees were enormous drooping willows that towered over us like massive columns easily twenty times the size of our willow tree back home. Their long dangling branches swayed above our heads. Below them, moss-covered roots creeped in and out of the dirt, twisting around each other and clinging to rocks like fingers. 
Then came the most magnificent pine trees I'd ever seen. Their gargantuan hollow trunks had gaping holes in them, and in those big holes grew stunning aspen trees with white trunks and glowing yellow leaves. The beautiful aspen branches poked out of the holes in the pine's trunk. There were a couple of times on the trail that we came across tutti-frutti trees whose branches grew every kind of fruit you could think of. Even their bark was sweet like a burnt fruit cookie. That was usually where we'd stop to take our breaks, and once we'd eaten ourselves silly, we ventured deeper into the forest. The trees' canopies grew denser, blocking much of the sun's light and making the forest floor dark and damp. Normally I'd get scared in such a dark place and simply fly out of the treetops, but then I remembered my dad's warning not to fly and call attention to ourselves, so I resisted. The eeriness, however, didn't last long before I beheld one of the most glorious sights I'd ever seen. The Oaks of Wonder. They might not have been as massive as the willows or the pines, but the Oaks of Wonder emitted a nearly blinding light from their leaves that changed colors with every passing breeze. Their branches sang like angels with the wind, and their trunks were as crystal reflecting a prism of light with every beam of sun that broke through the canopies. It was there that I finally noticed there was something in the air. I couldn't see it, but I felt it, like a warm mist that swirled and expanded in its own currents. What is this? I wondered, waving my hand in front of me, and then watching as little sparkles faded into my palm. M started to glow and laugh. Now hold on there, little lady! I said, keeping her from falling out of my pack. I pulled her out and set her on my lap. You like it here, do you? She laughed, and her emerald eyes twinkled. It's something else, isn't it? She cooed back at me. I still don't get why they call it Jelly Tree Forest, though. I haven't seen any jelly on these trees. If I had, we'd eaten gallons of it by now. What do you say we find us some jelly, eh? Em giggled at the word jelly. You think that's funny, jelly? Jelly, 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 jelly. I tickled her belly and she laughed. I put her back in the pack and walked over to one of the willows. As I started to peel back its bark, a voice stopped me. It's not there, it said. Garbers! I shouted, nearly jumping out of my shoes. I turned to see a curious-looking fellow grinning at me. He was short and had big, poofy brown hair covered in moss, a big, bulbous nose, and little mushrooms growing out of his skin. On top of his head there sat a green-pointed cap. "'You're looking for jelly to fill your belly,' he said in a nasally voice. "'I wasn't sure if the stories were true. I just—who are you?' The man scratched his mushrooms and gave his big nose a flick. Not from around here you are, but journeyed you have from afar. Who are you? I repeated. Gnarls be my name, and to you I ask the same. My name's Willem Wingling, and yes, I am from afar. Knew it I did, not a touch of moss. From the moment ere I saw your face I was at a loss. Why, ask I, be you here, so far from your home you hold so dear? I'm trying to find the, um, temples of light, and I'm told that a stranger will find me in these forests and show me the way. 
Gnarls nodded. Yes, yes, stranger, you say. It is I you seek. I will show you the way. And with that he waved for me to follow, and to my surprise I did so without question. It wasn't long before we reached a white mushroom house with big red spots on its roof and a smoking chimney. He led me through its little wooden door, and we sat at his table. Inside, the walls were thinned like the mushroom's underbelly, and were covered with arrangements of herbs and colorful branches from the forest. Above his fireplace mantle was a sculpture of an owl made from mossy pine cones. Off to the side, in the corner of the room, there was a chest overflowing with treasure. I tried my best to remember my manners, and not to stare at the bulging display of riches, but it wasn't easy. Narls poured me a cup of hot root tea. What think ye of the trees? Have ye seen trees such as these? I took a sip from my hot mug. Never seen anything like em. They're remarkable. It's made me see trees in a whole new light. Ah, special and powerful are trees, you see. They give us oxygen and clean air to breathe. And beauty be not their only purpose. For homes they provide for nearly all creatures on the surface. Their branches for birds, their wood for beings, and food they provide for all living things. To understand the tree you must know its parts, to know how it grows, to know how it starts. It begins with a seed, and with water and with sun. Then this seed will sprout and grow until it weighs more than a ton. From the ground it drinks with thirsty roots that stretch up to the trunk that stands straight and absolute. Then out like arms branches stretch and reach, they hold out the beautiful green leaves. Oh, the leaves, the leaves, how wondrous are these, for they make food for the trees. They take energy from the sun and the water from the ground, and it makes food and oxygen abound. Now see ye, the worth of a tree is priceless for people who really see. I sat there in a stupor, a trance of some sort that kept me stiff in my chair and staring straight ahead. Not even the knock on the door could wake me from my hypnotic daze. Narl stood up and shuffled over to answer it. When the door opened, there stood three mean-looking turtles. They were the baddest-looking turtles I'd ever seen. Nothing like the mellow, kind floaters back in the Emerald Creek ponds. No, these had scaled faces that frowned and scowled. On their backs, their shells were swirling seashells, and in their fat hands, they carried sharp spears. You called for us, croaked the oldest. We saw the green smoke coming from the chimney, said another. Yes, yes, come in, come in. A fairy I've brought you, where have ye been? We had to walk around a thick cloud of pixie drifting around your house. Got here as quick as we could. The turtle gave his spear a couple impatient thumps on the floor. Gnarls looked surprised. Cloud of pixie, say ye? Maybe this is no ordinary fairy, he said with a hint of regret. Nice try. You're not driving up the price again this time, Gnarly. Take your winnings and let us be. Throughout the exchange, the smaller turtle's spear tip kept leaning and poking the other turtle's face, making him twitch. Finally, he'd had enough and swatted the spear away. Honestly, Berth, he barked, making me regret giving you that thing. Keep it still or you'll poke my blooming eye out. The smaller one straightened his spear and swallowed his nervous energy. Sorry, 
The older one shook his head. Where were we? Gnarls scratched his mushrooms. For the boy, it'll be thirty-six. Pay quickly, and I promise no tricks. With a few groans, the grumpy turtles counted their coins and threw them on the table. Gnarls greedily snatched them up and put them in his chest with the rest of his loot. Without wasting another minute, the turtles tied up my hands and led me from the house. When the door closed behind us, I snapped out of my trance. What? Who are you? Where are you taking me? I squirmed and tried to break free, but the tall, skinny one pointed his spear at me. No fighting, no yelling, no nothing. You belong to us now, it said. Look, Bokey, this one's wings are intact. We got a good deal, said the smallest one. Quiet, you two, said the oldest and meanest. Let's hurry before that pixie cloud forces us out of here. He shoved on my pack to push me forward and immediately M began to cry. The turtle stepped back and looked at me, trying to see if the girly tiny cry was coming from me. Their confusion only grew as my pack began to glow brighter and brighter the louder she cried. I think its wings are sad, Bokey, said the small one. Bokey bonked him over the head. Wings don't cry, Shellhead. He's got someone with him. Two for the price of one. The turtle reached for my pack with a grin and then froze. All of us looked down at our feet that were now wet. Water trickled slowly over our toes and then gushed harder and higher up our feet. Em's cries grew louder as the water rushed against my legs. Together we looked up to see a wall of water smashing through the trees towards us. Run! The turtles yelled and they turned and waddled for cover. I jumped behind the trunk of a willow just as the water hit, its crushing force splashing to either side of me. The thunderous waves slammed into the turtles, smashing them into trees and pushing them deeper into the forest. Just as the water curved around the tree and headed back for me, a bright white rope whipped down over me and yanked me up into the tree. A robed figure pulled the rope up onto a high branch. Without untying us, it leaned in and whispered something into my ear. As the last word was spoken, a clear bubble formed around my face and pack. Scared and confused, I watched the robed figure work quickly to position us under a large boat, caught in the branches above us. Holding on to my end of the rope, the robed figure threw the other end around the high trunk of the tree and pulled it tight. His timing could not have been better, for a second later a taller wave poured over us and we were underwater. At first I panicked, thinking I was a goner, but as I took my first desperate breath, I realized I was breathing not water, but air. The conjured bubble around me and M was shielding us from the water. Amazed, I looked out at the forest that was now completely submerged. Tall grass and vines from the forest floor now floated and swayed like sea kelp. An orange and blue owl with scales for feathers poked its head out of a little knot in the tree and swam through the water like a fish. Then, just when I thought I'd seen it all, the willows started groaning. They moaned and groaned and swayed back and forth as they pulled their thick roots from the ground. Once their last roots were free, they swam up out of the ground towards the surface, using their drooping branches to propel them like jellyfish. 
I watched in awe as the massive jelly trees swam up through the water. The swimming owl took a wrong turn and swam right into the path of one of the tree's flapping branches and was zapped. I shook my head. The jelly tree forest. Without warning, I was yanked up by the jelly tree we were tied to and pulled up to the surface. When I reached fresh air, I carefully swam around the floating branches to avoid being zapped. <laughs> Came a grunt behind me. Like a caught fish, I was heaved out of the water and dropped onto a boat deck. The bubble around me and my pack popped and for the first time in a while, I could feel a cool breeze on my face. In front of me stood the robed figure. He held the white rope in his hand and gave it a quick whip, making it untie itself from me and raveling back onto his side like an obedient serpent. I looked at the boat around me. It was a small wood ship that smelt like salt and fish, and for a mast there was a live tree growing out of the middle of it, bark and all. The railings along the deck were carved with symbols of leaves and compasses. I looked back at the robed figure. His hood shadowed the details of his face. You saved me, I finally said. You're welcome, came a voice in a deep accent. It won't be the last time you see hurdles. He turned and started raising the giant leaf sail. Hurdles? Those crotchety turtles that bought you, called hurdles. Oh, and what you listening to gnomes for? Hadn't your mother taught you better? I got to my feet. Excuse me, I said. I have never listened to a gnome in my life. That's so, the man tied off the sail and turned to me. You just stroll into mushroom houses and glaze over into a drooling bagger schnozzer for fun? I bit my tongue. Gnarls. Gnarls the gnome. You fell hard for his gnome canter. I'll admit old Gnarly has his down spat, but you didn't even question him for a second. Those greedy gnomes will get you. I thought about all I had told Gnarls and hoped I hadn't said too much. As if reading my thoughts, the man said, Don't worry, scrub. Gnarly cares only for one thing. He's riches. Everything else is noise to him. Thank you. I already said you're welcome. I'm Willem. I stretched out my hand for his. The man removed his hood, revealing a stern older face with a braided grey beard and a braided grey ponytail. Both braids were adorned with coins and beads. His grey eyebrows curled at the ends and his eyes were a red I'd never seen. Not an evil red, but a soft, dark velvet that pierced anything they looked into. I am Magborn. When you know me long enough, you can call me Mags. Well, Mags? Far too soon, Scrub. Sorry, Magborn. I have reason to believe that we crossed paths for a purpose. I? We, I mean, I am trying to find the Temples of Light... I'm hoping the light has brought you to me for more than just to save my life, but to guide me in my journey. Just to save your life? Already taken it for granted, I see. No, that's not what I... Stop saying I this and me that. I know you're not alone, boy. It's time you introduce me to the wheeling. My stomach twisted. Could he be trusted? I wondered. Obviously, I wasn't the best judge of who was trustworthy, but then again, I wasn't left with much of a choice. I guess I could have jumped back in the water and swam for it, but getting zapped by the floating jelly tree branches looked painful. Not worth it, boy. 
It hurts as bad as you think, said Magborn. Stop doing that! Doing what? Reading my mind! Scrub! It doesn't take a mythical mind reader to know you're thinking about jumping into the water when you're staring overboard all googly-eyed. Not everybody's out to get you. <sighs> With a sigh, I set down my pack and pulled out my baby sister. Magborn looked up at the sky. Oh, it had to be a baby girl. I brought Em up to him, and when I held her out, she puked all over his perfect little beard. Magborn looked straight ahead as if in a gnome's trance. Lovely. That her way of saying thank you? Em giggled. Sorry about the beard, I said. Sorry isn't good enough, boy. I don't do fairylings. He added over to a bucket of water and dipped his beard into it. My name's Will, not Boy, and this fairyling is the new queen of the Daffodil Clan. Magborn paused and then turned to me, wringing out his braided beard. Well, that explains the cloud of pixie following you around, and perhaps the waves summoned by her cries. I looked down at M. I hadn't even considered the possibility that she had caused the waves. I, the forest floods, but never have I seen it fill with such urgency. She could have gotten you killed, Will. I doubt it. Her powers are meant to heal and save, not destroy. Ah, ah. It depends on how she's taught to use it. Right now, the powers are merely a reflection of her emotions. Don't count on her saving you from danger. He held out his arms at the water around them. As you can see, she very well may create the danger. Then will you help us? To the temples of light, what makes you think they exist? The fact that you didn't laugh at my mention of them. Magborn stroked his beard and almost smiled. Do you have a keen eye, Will? But I dare say you're braver than you look. But you don't know what you're after. I didn't know whether to take offense to his observation. If we don't make it to the temples, then the dark will reach her and our entire kingdom's light will burn out forever. Magborn thought for a moment and then said, Why, the temples exist, but I doubt you'll find what you're looking for there. These days they're only ruins, not the sanctuaries they once were. I don't care. Will you take us? I'm going to find them with or without you. Magborn looked at my smiling little sister and sighed. Aye, this is what I get for hunting in the jelly tree forest. A scrub and a burping fairling. He looked up at the sky. Oh, light. It won't be an easy journey. The dark covers much of the path... He walked over and grabbed the wheel. I can't drag you along to the temples, Will. I looked hopelessly at the deck. Magborn looked back at me. But I can train you, he said, resisting a grin. And with that, he turned the wheel toward the setting sun. Mm-hmm.